Hello and welcome to Weeb Spawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. I'm glad to be doing this podcast, and this is going to be one where it's been a while since we've played this game, but I think we'll still do a good job and hope it's fun for all our listeners. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little over 10 years since this game has come out. We are going to be discussing Infamous, and as always, spoilers ahead. Yeah, so Infamous, this was a really fun game when it came out. It was a single-player, third-person, open-world action game, and it was released in the United States on May 26th, 2009, and this was for the PS3. It was developed by Sucker Punch Productions, who are most commonly known for their Sly Cooper games and possibly for their newest game, Ghost of Tsushima. And Infamous was a big change of pace for them because Sly Cooper was more of a stealth-type game with not a whole lot of guns-blazing moments, or that typically wasn't the playstyle they were going for. And it was a, Infamous was actually a really well-received game from them. It was open world, and it gave players abilities to interact with the environment. And this was a really impressive feat for them because it's something they've never done before. And it gave the players power systems that were very interesting, where you could just level up your power and and get more. And depending on the karma system that they also implemented with a good and bad meter it also changed the powers that you were able to receive and it also changed the mission structures in some cases where the missions would change slightly based on whether you played as a good character or a bad character now while this game did get praise for some of these things there was also some criticism which were related to repetition of the enemies and the nature of combat there were also a little bit of complaints about the karma system, but overall it was very positive reviews with a few minor nuances. And Sucker Punch Productions decided to switch their focus from stealth-based game like Sly Cooper and switch to an open world, mainly because they were just kind of tired of Sly Cooper. They've made a few games. And they just want to try something new, which I think this is a reoccurring theme for a lot of game companies, is they have this one genre that they're known for, and they don't want to be put in this box for too long, so they decide to just switch it up. And they talk to each other, and they're like, you know, let's make a superhero game where we just get to blow shit up. And that's basically the whole thing that, that created Infamous. They just wanted the, you to feel <laughs> like a superhero. And blow shit up. Because, I mean, who doesn't want to be a superhero and blow shit up? <laughs> right. So, Infamous follows the story of a bike messenger named Cole McGrath, who was caught in the epicenter of a massive terrorist bombing on Empire City. This attack caused chaos to run wild in the Empire City, but it also gave Cole the ability to wield electricity. With his newfound powers... Cole has the ability to bring order to this now chaotic city. This application to bring order now gives Cole the ability to choose how he wants to maintain the order, though, through righteous deeds and be a hero, or through heinous acts and become the sole dictator. Yeah, I really liked this aspect of the game when I played, because back in 2009, there weren't really many games that gave you this karma bar, this this meter of good versus bad. There were a few here and there, which I'll just mention a little bit later. But it's just, it felt new and fresh, and it was just great. You're playing this Cole McGrath, and he was the epicenter of this attack and left him with this ability. His city was put on lockdown because of a plague that allowed that followed the t terrorist attack. And after this lockdown, there was anarchy and chaos, and Cole was really the only one that could keep his city under control because of his abilities. And just this good versus evil was a very big focus in the game. And 
the they wanted the player to monitor this through a karma meter that was up in the top corner of your, your screen so you could always see whether you were impacting in a positive or negative way and it was really cool because if you chose good your abilities that you were able to unlock would change and if you chose bad your abilities would change in that aspect too like with the side missions changing it was just a well-received aspect of the game and i love the fact that if i so i played as a bad character just because i'm a douchebag i guess <laughs> and when i played you would get a side mission and if your meter was a in the positive karma you would it would give you a specific goal for your mission like say to help these protesters take back this area but if you were in the bad position of it it would say break up these protesters in order to maintain balance in your city so it really just kind of changes your player's perspective on how to maintain balance i thought this was really cool one thing they adapted with that how you touched on it a little bit earlier is the different powers that you get per whatever karma choice you did so there's good there's evil karma and to make it easier if you couldn't already tell from like the cover art or anything good karma you get this like blue lightning and then if you go evil karma you get this red lightning and throughout the entire story as you go depending on which karma meter you go to not only does like some of the chain the voices change like the tones against you change but the environment itself changes mm -hmm. as well so a lot of the powers you see are kind of complementary to the good and the bad karma. So the good karma, you have a lot of precision and healing abilities. So you want to be able to attack enemies without harming anyone innocent. That's why a lot of them are precision and you can snipe enemies from afar. If you go reverse side on the bad karma, it's more about just destruction and explosive damage. You don't really care about collateral damage. One of my favorite abilities for like the bad karma side was the shock grenade. So you throw the shock grenade, it explodes, and then it, it breaks into like eight other grenades. So then those cause more explosions. So if there's like people hiding behind cars, you can literally just throw one shot grenade and it will just blow up the entire block where with good karma you can actually upgrade your shot grenade to where you can throw it and then it will like electrify cuffs them to the ground which is something you can do if you down an enemy in order instead of killing them you can capture them or like kind of it's basically like arresting them so you throw down these like electric cuffs on the ground so they can't move so there's an ability you can unlock with a shot grenade that when you throw it it hits any of the like the evil doers i guess you can say and it will automatically capture them so they did a good job on changing the powers and how well it suits them for the good and the bad karma because a lot of it is like destruction collateral damage for the bad karma and then a lot of precision for the good karma because there are some missions where you need that precision in order to save someone or if you're bad karma you can just toss it and cause massive destruction so they had a good balance mm -hmm. yeah and like you said it it really did change the perspective of the game so I could just go into a crowd and there's civilians around but I don't really care I'm just going to throw a grenade right in the middle of them and just take out everything and just get it over with whereas like you said you could you could go in and headshot a bunch of these people or your grenade could pin these people down and make an arrest like you said so it really changes your perspective and this really shows what type of player some people are because you're able to justify your actions just based on how you kind of view how you would take over the city and and make it yours and make it safe again and there just weren't many games like this this really changed the the gameplay and made it diverse 
and there were some games out there like some big games that had this morality and to name a few like there was bioshock and mass effect 2 and red dead redemption now i can't speak for bioshock or mass effect 2 for that matter but like red dead redemption had this this morality bar you never really saw it too much it didn't seem to play a huge role in the game itself but just raising your morality you would get discounts on certain like items and tools and weapons and lowering it you would actually have to pay more money for these things but when you got to the lowest morality you would get like a free horse and things like that so it didn't really affect the game too much this was the first game that i played where it actually had a big impact on the game and i just thought that was really cool and not to mention like you said the lightning changes color as you go evil and looks more heinous and cole actually his appearance starts to change a little bit like he starts getting these corrupted look going on his his neck and head and it really you actually see this character changing and it just was a far more unique aspect one thing i did enjoy about the game is between each missions or like i think it's actually the loading screen they would actually put these quotes in and depending on what choice you made now mine i i still always like to play the good guy for me Sometimes, yeah, it's fun to play the bad guy, especially, like, if you're playing GTA, sometimes it's fun to just go blow up some cars and everything, but, like, for me and Infamous, well, it also helped that you started playing my game on the evil side, mm-hmm. and so I was like, alright, I'll go with the hero side, and I got to see the story as the hero, and knowing the story as the hero, when I had to replay it as the villain, well, not really the villain, but kind of like an anti-hero, sometimes it just hurt me to do some of these decisions because I was like, no, I don't want to do this because then some of the quotes would make you feel so fucking guilty. (laughs) I remember there's one, I think, I think it was by Abraham Lincoln. I'm not sure. It may not have been. I know there's a quote by Abraham Lincoln in this game, but there's one that says, in order to judge a man's character, first give him power. And it's like, Quotes like that, while I was doing this evil side, just kept eating away <laughs> at my conscience. And I'm just like, no, don't. Stop this. I don't want... Don't don't give me these quotes that make me question my morality already when I already questioned it when I chose the bad karma. And now you're questioning it again. And I'm like, no, <laughs> but I want to see the, all the evil side. I'm like, don't do this to me. <laughs> That's one thing I loved about this game is it really gave you a different experience going through both sides. So it's definitely a game, for me, I personally had to play twice. I had to see the good, I had to see the bad. Even just watching the cutscenes, it's like, you don't really experience it. You Mm -hmm. have to play the good and you have to play the bad. It's just, it is almost a different game. Yes, it's a little tedious having to go through and do all the like side quests and stuff like that. But even if you don't do the side quests, because there was one time I was just, I was so set on doing the evil side. I just wanted to know the story. I just straight sped run that shit and just <laughs> did only the story. And even just doing the story, it still is a different gameplay. You still change mm-hmm. up how you can do stuff. And for me, I just love that experience. That It was almost like two different games. Yeah, I agree. And, I think, like you said, how we both played two different ways, that let me run rampant on being evil, but I started that before I knew you were going to go good. But it just was really cool to see these two different perspectives. Like In the end, the overall story arc stayed fairly the same because it was leading up to the second game. But just your choices getting there started to eat at you. They really wanted to make you question what you were doing. That was kind of their goal of this. They they wanted you to have the superhero experience. But they also wanted you to look at it like, should I do it this way or is there a better way to do it? And I think they executed that very well. And there was a little bit of inspiration for their game. And... 
like we've been saying, it's a superhero game, but they took a lot of inspiration just from comic books in general. And that's a detail I enjoyed a lot in this game. The cutscenes of this game in certain scenarios, most scenarios, were like almost like comic books comic book strips where you get your side panels of a voice overlay and you just have your characters in the background as these comic book characters. And I thought it was really cool. It was a different take on video game because you normally just see animated people walking around and doing it. But this really made you feel like you were the character in this story. And I thought that worked really well with this game. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed that comic book nature of the cutscenes. It did make it feel felt make it felt more unique of a game because it wasn't a comic book game but it was similar aspects of it Mm -hmm. especially with the whole you can be hero anti-hero thing which a lot of heroes will depict like a struggle in comic books so i think it felt this game really well so for this game i think they took they went with a more serious theme I mean, they were doing these Sly Cooper games, which were more child-based, so they probably wanted to really set this game apart. But this game has taken place in a city that just has turned to anarchy, and there are three main districts of this city that are gang-run sectors, and each with their own gang in the sector. And in the beginning of the game, we go straight into a terrorist bombing, and we look at the after effects two weeks later when Cole comes out of this alive with new powers. He, at this moment, only has like simple lightning attacks and he has some things and you're basically messing around with the controls. But it goes pretty much straight into the anarchy of the city from there. After you learn your powers, you have to go retrieve an airdrop that's being dropped into the city that's providing food to the citizens. So after you recover this airdrop, because it's stuck on the statue and nobody can reach it except you, after you recover this airdrop, the these reapers show up. This is our first view of reapers. And they come in and they're going to steal the airdrop because they want to control the food source and everything. And Cole jumps into action, and he fights them off. But he has this decision after he faces them. He has this moral dilemma. And he either has the choice of attacking the citizens or allowing the citizens to take the airdrop. And it's at this moment where you basically decide this airdrop could feed you and your friends for weeks... Or it can be split up and feed you for a day or two. And they kind of hit this moral roadblock. And you have to kind of choose what type of player you want to be at this moment. Now on the flip side, one of the easier ways is after you take down the airdrop, you can just fry a couple people or shoot. Well, you don't. I don't think you actually have to kill anyone. You just have to shoot your lightning at a couple people. I mean, granted, if you shot lightning at someone, it probably would kill them. But <laughs> the whole point was you just had to shoot a couple lightning bolts into the crowd, and they would run away, and then you would have all your all the supplies for you and Zeke and Trish, all your little gang. But as you said earlier, this first decision basically sets up your entire story. I mean, granted, you can, for some reason, if you wanted to, if you started bad and then swapped good, you can still get it because there are enough missions, I guess, if you started a little late one way and wanted to go another way. But I highly don't recommend doing that. I say pick one side and go through it because it's just going to be a lot more complicated that way. I, I feel like it's just better to go one side to the other. Mm-hmm. Have, your, have your commitment right away. Yeah. Not to only will that affect your powers, but you, in order to unlock certain powers, you need certain levels of karma. So if you, say, went halfway 
evil karma and then decide to go good karma, you won't have all your good karma unlocked because you're not reached there yet until like the final end. So it might be a little difficult, but it's definitely better to pick one side and go that way. But mm -hmm. as I was saying, setting up this first mission on whether you stay back and let the people take the food or not, one thing that automatically changes is right after this shows there's this like TV hacker that comes throughout the game and shows a video of you delivering the bomb that exploded Empire City. So now everyone thinks you're a terrorist and all you were were a delivery boy. But this affects your relationship with Trish. Before this, you and Trish were together, boyfriend and girlfriend, and you guys were very like a very serious relationship. But the thing is, Trish lost her sister in this explosion. So now she found out you were the cause of the explosion, and so now you're the reason why Trish's sister is dead. And if you chose evil karma, this will come up back up later on in numerous interactions with her. And th this whole relationship with Trish, and even when you're going good for a while, actually, she has this very negative opinion towards you, and she's very cold basically doesn't give a shit about you anymore and i think this is to make it so it's easier for you to choose bad things because there are certain scenarios where you're she's helping people like they're sick and she's helping them and either you could help them right then and there or you could just do nothing to help them and with her being cold and distant i think they're trying to make it easier for you to just say like fuck this i'm i'm out but that'll just make the relationship even worse. Like you said, going good will definitely help mend this relationship. And I really, I just love this good and bad aspect of the game because it really changes the interconnectivity within the storyline. It's very cool. One thing I want to mention is looking back at the game, obviously you, you don't know anything because you haven't played through it the first time. But seeing how cold Trish acts, how you said that the game wants you to think wants you to think like that to make it seem like it's hard to get on Trish's side, it's almost like that comic book feeling where Kessler is literally controlling this entire world and he's setting apart these motions to make Trish hate you. Mm. So it's easier for you to choose the evil side because Kessler the main antagonist that we are introduced at the very beginning, who's control of the first sons, wants you to become evil. Mm -hmm. And his sole purpose is to get you to become evil. So it's just funny that you mentioned that. And I think now looking back on it, that comic book feeling and that foreshadowing, it's almost as if Kessler is telling this entire story of you narrating this thing. Mm -hmm. And they... God, I just have now a newfound respect for this game. Just now, like, all the pieces, just, like, that last piece just completed the puzzle, and I'm just mm -hmm. now rethinking about all this stuff that's happening and how they wanted to make it look like a comic, and I'm just like, holy shit. Yeah. They did it. Those sons of a bitches did it. <laughs> now that you say that, I didn't actually put that together because, like you said, he wants you to kind of go evil. Not necessarily evil, but he wants you to lose... The whole point of him, which we will mention a little bit later, is he wants you to lose Trish so you don't have this emotional tie, so you can fulfill the duty that he wants you to fulfill. So that's why when you choose good or bad, it doesn't change the overall aspect, like the overall ending of the game, but it changes everything else between that moment. And it's a good point that you brought up, just because if you go bad, you're going to lose Trish, Trish. If you go good, you're going to lose Trish. So, in the end, no matter what you do, Kessler's in control. And he's been pulling the strings the whole time. And that's a really good point. I never really put that together. One also side note. Don't get or dissuaded by the fact that we say the ending is different or the same. The ending is technically the same as in you take down Kessler. No matter which mm -hmm. karma you go. Right. But how you go about it and how mm -hmm. everything leads up to it 
is completely different. Obviously, there's going to be some similarities. It's the same game, and a lot of the major cutscenes are going to be similar but different tone to base on your karma. Mm-hmm. And so everything interacts differently. So yes, at the end, you do take down Kessler. But how you go about that and how it sets up for the next game is completely different on both sides. So right. even if it's the same, don't get dissuaded like, oh, I don't want to do it now on both sides. No, play both sides. <laughs> You'll see both sides of the story. And it's just, it's an amazing piece you just right. you need to play both sides just <laughs> yeah. watching it does not do it justice just play mm-hmm. both sides yeah it was probably good that you mentioned that they are distinctly different endings even though they're the same like everything everything leading up to it changes and like you said it's the tone so yeah they're the same overall conclusion but the way you go about it completely changes oh it's so good so good the way you go about this whole game is after you get through your first dilemma and you decide, all right, are you going to be a hero or are you going to be an anti-hero? You try to escape the quarantine on your own, but that doesn't really work. And during this failed attempt, you meet with this FBI agent named Moira. And she sets up and she says... She lost connection to a husband, John, who's been undercover working with the First Sons, trying to find some information about the race sphere. But ever since the explosion happened, she lost all communication. So she tries to strike a deal with you. Find John, find the race sphere, you, Zeke, Trish, everyone can get out of the quarantine scot-free and she will clear your name. That sets up, so that's kind of like the whole story behind it obviously we're trying to stop kessler in this race sphere but the how we get it started is from moira and we have to go and figure out how to save john and as you mentioned earlier with the three different districts we start out with the reapers and one of the first things we learn is that there's this like plague this tar that the reapers are using that is controlling the citizens and making them act weird. So one of your first steps is to try and stop the Reapers. Yeah. And with this meeting of Moya, first thing, like you stumble into this FBI agency and she, yeah. So when you're breaking free from this, trying to break free from the quarantine, you fall into her office, like you said, but she was waiting for you and she knew all about you. She knew about your abilities and now she wants you to work for her. And just from playing this game, I just took a step back and I'm like, why should I trust this person who knows everything about me and is promising me to be free? What is her motive? Can she be trusted? You're a random citizen with video evidence against you showing that you blew up six blocks of the city with a top secret device, survived it. You now have the ability to start your toaster oven without plugging it in. And... Now we're supposed to believe that they're just going to let you free from this quarantine and live your life. And then, like you said, she tells you information about people are being controlled in the sickness and you have to help them. But how do we know that she's the good guy in this situation? It's, It's a very conflicting story and we'll have more points in the story about whether the people we meet can be trusted or not. That's also a big kind of sub-story, I guess you can say, is trust. Just all within Cole and Trish, within Cole and Zeke, Cole Mm -hmm. and Moya, Cole and John. All these people you interact with. Trust is a major issue that's going on, especially in this Empire City where this bombing happened. So at first, you're trusting this Moya person, and you are going and infiltrating the empire city to try to find this race sphere and as you go in the neon district the very first spot you have to try to kind of overthrow the reapers in order to make the city a little safer but also to help you get more powers and get you more information 
So the whole Empire City is shut down, and being your power is electricity, you need the power on. So the whole system is shut down, and in order to progress through the story, you always go through these substations, and these substations, every time you complete one, it unlocks part of the city, it gives them lighting, restores quote-unquote order to the place. It all kind of depends if you went good or bad, but you get new powers through this. And as you're progressing, you learn that the leader of the Reapers named it Sasha. She also has abilities, but they're not like electricity like yours. But she can change her body and mentality using this tar power that she has. So your first duty is to try to capture her alive to get information about her. So with Sasha's ability to control people with this tar... She's putting it into water supplies. She's having her reapers basically make people drink this to control them. And we interact with Trish because she's a medic and she's helping these civilians be cured or just helping them get better. So she's asking Cole to go through and turn off all of the tar valves, the valves that are letting the tar get into the water supply. So as Cole's doing this, he is getting sprayed in the face with this tar each time, which starts to influence his mind. And he's stronger than normal citizens, so he's able to fight it, but it's costing him something. He is hearing Sasha's voice through this tar, trying to question what he's doing and question his morality and his trust with Trish. And as he's doing this, it's becoming worse and worse each time. She's really digging at him. So when we have one more valve to go, Cole makes the opinion known to us that either we can turn this valve and get sprayed again and go through this torment, or we can force a civilian to do it. It might hurt them or kill them, but at least we won't be going through this again. So what I what I normally what I think I did when I played was I did the the bad aspect of it. But if you just go the normal aspect, you're just you turn it, you endure it, and you go on your way to do this. Like you go on your way, you're helping out, it's fine. But you can force somebody else to do it, and they will get sick from it. And it's just one of those things where it's like, do I force my character to go through this? And the inebriation that it causes us, because it causes you a lot of like screen blur and distortion. And it makes it really hard to play for some amount of time while she's controlling you. So it's just one of those little moral aspects you have to go through. But... Also, it will help your relationship with Triss if you do it yourself because you're not forcing somebody else to get sick. This is one of the moments where Trish kind of shows maybe not concern for you, but she starts to see your helpful side. And this interaction is one of the first we get a glimpse of how Trish is going to treat you. Mm-hmm. If you. As you said earlier, if you did the good side and helping them out, Trish kind of lightens up a little bit she goes there's some she's still a little cold towards you but you can kind of tell it's not as strong as it used to be where if you did the evil side she's it's kind of just pissed at you because she's like you have all this power but you're not helping anyone and you kind of just give a lame excuse like hey i'm trying mm-hmm. like you don't you kind of also don't give a shit yeah he's kind of he's kind of losing his emotion in a way like i i'm just doing what i gotta do like i don't care which also may be the fact that the tar could be influencing them as Mm. you as you mentioned earlier when you got in the tar and you start hearing these voices this is also when you start to see a little more prominent changes in cole from the good to the bad side if you were on the evil karma this is where you start to see his skin starts to turn more pale Mm. and i don't know if it's from the tar but he gets this like black mm-hmm. almost like scar that goes starts creeping up on his head the more evil karma you build up and one also side note that's kind of 
nice to see is even your outfit changes. Your outfit was like this vibrant, vibrant yellow color, and it still is if you go through the good karma, but on the evil karma, it starts turning like this black and gray. You really start to embrace almost this villainous look. And this tar doesn't help the fact. This tar helps set up the future and this whole mind control and with Sasha and everything and how this whole world is going to play out. So after this whole tar incident, you finally get down to where Sasha is actually at. And when you finally confront her, you have this little bout, you have this fight, and just before you go to finish her, Sasha gives you a warning. This is what's going to happen to you. This power is going to eat you alive. And it's kind of inferred influence. I don't know what you want to kind of say. That Cole and Sasha aren't the only ones with these powers. He's not the only ones that have some kind of superpower. There are more like him. And as you're learning about, almost starting to learn more about the truth, the first sons come in, break break through, and steal Sasha away from you. And this kind of forces you to go to the next area, the slums of the Warren. After we defeat Sasha, she actually gets taken away by who we believe are the first sons, which aren't introduced yet in the game. But we know the first sons are controlled by Kessler. So we're trying to pursue them to to get Sasha because she has information that we want. We believe she might know where John is or possibly the race sphere. So we continue on. We make it to the slums of the Warren, which is controlled by another group called the Dustmen, who we find out are being controlled by another powered person named Alden. And during this part of the game, we kind of learn that there aren't just two or three people with these abilities, but possibly many because Alden has this ability, Sasha does, we do, and we briefly see Kessler a little bit earlier, I believe, actually, and he has this teleportation ability, so there's at least four of these people that have these powers, and this will get more into play in future games and and stuff, but it just kind of adds to this what is this device and what are we really getting ourselves into and where is this going from here i'm not so, sure at yeah. what point but i'm pretty sure it's at this stage in the game that this is i think where we also start to find john that we learned the term conduit and conduit mm -hmm. is what gives these or what they call these powered people even coal is called a conduit and as you were saying earlier there are many people that are conduits that have like some kind of power it may not be as strong or it could be stronger than what you normally see but there are definitely many people out there and going through this second district, this is where a lot of the criticism comes through is basically after you went through the Reapers and the Neon District and you go into Warren to fight the Dustmen, the whole repetitive aspect is you still have to go to substations to turn the power mm -hmm. back on and that's how you get your powers, which I don't mind because there has to be some way to get you new power. And I like the fact that they use the explosion because it shut down all the electricity. That That's why these gangs are roaming around. And the fact that because you are electricity, that restoring it gives you that surge of power. So it gives you the, your... It makes sense how you get more power is because you absorbed it all. And you were like a battery to turn on this entire district. So for me, it makes sense and I'm okay with it. But I can see why a lot of people get a little repetitive with it. Because even some of the side missions are kind of the same. Especially if you do not like the good or... Because you have regular side story missions. And then you have the good and bad side missions. Mm -hmm. So the good and bad change. Because they kind of give you a little more info on some of the stuff that happens. 
based on your karma. But a lot of the regular side missions are the same where it's like, oh, the Dustmen, like the Reapers, have control of this area. Wipe them out. Clear this area. You're done. So I can... That's where I can see where a lot of people get the repetitive nature and they don't want to like continuously do this. It does help you because it brings power back to that spot of the city and then you can obviously use more power because you're weakened if you go in a spot that doesn't have electricity because you can't absorb electricity from cars and stuff to heal you. So if you don't have that power, it just makes things a little difficult. But it's I can see where it gets repetitive. Right. And... Another aspect to that, sure, it is repetitive in some areas, but looking at other open-world games, the repetitiveness hasn't really stopped. If you look at Skyrim, for example, which wasn't released too long after this game, I believe. It was 2011, maybe? And if you look at Skyrim, you run around, you find a stronghold, you take it out, you move on. You kill a giant camp, you move on to the next giant camp. Like, There's always going to be this repetitive nature in open world games. It's to get you to explore the world and learn new things, find new artifacts, stuff like that. And I think with how small this game was, this, the world wasn't huge. And you actually got decent rewards for these power stations. Like you said, you're unlocking new abilities. I think that the repetitive nature was being kind of nitpicky on this game only because it wasn't that big of a game and there wasn't a whole lot of repetitive nature. There was only like three power stations per section, I believe. So I could see, like you said, I see the side of the repetitiveness, but at the same time, I don't think it was as big of a deal as the critics were making it out to be. But with that being said... We can go back into finding Alden after we get our power stations on and get some powers. We look for him, and eventually we capture him. It wasn't really long to capture him because it was part of the storyline is you take him into custody, the cops have him, but then you get intel that people are coming to break him out. And it is during this moment where Zeke is supposed to be guarding him, supposed to help protect Alden and keep him in prison, but he abandons his shift and comes to help you fight off other people. And during this time, Alden gets freed. They break in, he they get freed, and he's out in the wind. And at this point, Cole gets angry at Zeke and basically tells him if he's not going to be in this, he needs to stop helping because he's not doing any good. And it's this balance of trust, like you mentioned earlier, that he trusted Zeke to do his job, and he didn't do it, and now the relationship's suffering because of that. So it's just this portion that it's kind of crumbling Cole's relationships with the only people around him that he can trust. He only can trust Trish and, Trish and Zeke. So when Zeke abandons his shift, he almost has nobody to help him anymore. So after the first failed attempt at capturing Alden, well, they did capture him, but he let him go with Zeke. This is when you get your first interaction with John, and John decides to contact you and tells you to meet up, but come alone. Well, you let Moira know, like, hey, John just contacted me, and she goes, good, go to the meeting. You go to this meeting and this helicopter comes and John is spooked basically from this. And you're like, hey, this wasn't me. I didn't call for a helicopter. And you try to get to Mora, and Mora claims she didn't call for a helicopter either. And then this whole trust issue between you, Moira, and John all begins to stir up. Because afterwards, you start talking to John and you ask him about Mora, And he goes, who the hell's Moira? And he goes, uh, your wife? And he just flat out says, I have no idea who Moira is. She's lying to you. And now you don't know, is Moira lying to you or is John lying to you? So now that you have this whole stir of emotions going on and you are going throughout the city, mostly listening to John because he's been there. He knows firsthand what's going to do. And he decides he wants to destroy the race sphere, 
which you've seen all this trouble that it's causing this city. So you start to get on board with that, especially since you found out, you start to realize more and more that Moira lied to you. So you're like, well, if she lied to me this whole entire time. Why the hell should I help her now? Mm-hmm. So now after losing Zeke, you lost Trish. Now you lost Moira's trust. Well, you haven't really lost Zeke's trust completely yet. You're more just like pissed at him for what he did. Mm-hmm. So you decide to give him one last chance. John found the location of the race fear. And he's like, bring someone you can trust. So you bring Zeke throughout this whole little shebang, climbing through this tower. You helped Zeke up and everything. And then you had this little like boss battle with Alden. And after you fight him, a cutscene happens. And right before you take the race sphere, Kessler shows up. So now... Zeke went and grabbed the race rear right after this battle was from the injured Alden. And now he's between Alden and Kessler and then you. Now, all he you have the race rear practically in your hand. All Zeke has to do is give it to you and you can destroy it or run away, whatever. And the game would be done. Well, Zeke is looking at this thing. And he grew up as like a nobody. He wants to be somebody. That's why he's been trying to help you, but he's been messing up. So what he does is he tries to activate the race sphere. Now, mentioned earlier in this story, the race sphere, in order to get its powers, drains the lives of thousands of people. This guy just turned on the race sphere to kill thousands of people just to get him his powers. But the thing is, the race sphere didn't go off. Kessler offers his hand and goes, give me the race sphere, come with me, I can give you the power. And Zeke takes one look back at Cole, his best friend, and turns away and goes with Kessler. So now Cole just lost complete trust in Zeke. He has Now he doesn't have Zeke, he doesn't have Trish, he doesn't have Moira, and basically all he has right now is John, who's someone... He doesn't even really know. So he he practically has nobody he can trust at this point. And it's kind of sad thinking about Zeke's story, basically, because he just wanted to help. This entire time he's been trying to help Cole basically fix this city. But every step of the way, he does something that messes up. So he saw this one shot right here where he has the race sphere. It's his one shot to be helpful. He just has to activate it. He'll get his powers. And he can do something. Something worthwhile. So when he activates it, he kind of has this look of, I could have been useful, but I just made it worse. And then, on top of that, he's still blinded by this desire to help that he goes with the enemy. Abandoning abandoning his best friend. And it's just sad because... He could have done the right thing so many occasions, but he's always taking the wrong steps in the wrong direction. So it was rough. And like you said, now Cole's alone. The only person he has is John, who he just met like an hour prior to this, basically. And he's he's alone going through this. After that moment, we head to the final district, which is the historical district. Kessler is giving us another big moral dilemma in this situation where he straps Cole's girlfriend Trish to a bomb on top of a building and he straps six doctors to another bomb on a different building and he tells Cole you only can save one of them who are you going to choose the girl you love or the lives of some people who can save thousands of others so it's at this moment where obviously the the bad choice would be to save Trish because she's just one woman. You're using your emotions to save her. There's no true benefit to it besides helping yourself. I mean, she is a nurse for that matter, so she does help. But then there's six doctors. Are you going to sacrifice these people and possibly countless other lives because of the people they can save to save Trish? And... It's at the moment, if if you choose the doctors, that was the morally correct way to go. But then you're... Then Trish dies. 
And it's at this moment, Cole jumps down to find her body on the ground. He uses his electricity to spark her back to life. And before she dies again, she just tells him she's proud of his decision of choosing the doctors. And she hopes that, like, basically he can come to peace with it. So now he he literally lost the last person who actually trusts him. And it was this was a tough decision because, like, you want Cole to be happy by saving the girl that he loves. But can you live with yourself by letting these doctors die too? The add insult to injury is even if he did go the evil comma route and he mm-hmm. go to save Trish, she still dies because Kessler mm-hmm. is basically planning all of this and is disappointed. He's watching you. Before you can save him, he detonates it and kills Trish. And again, you try to go and you spark her back to life for a little bit to get her little last words. And if you chose the evil karma, she basically chews you out one last time saying you had all this power. You could have done good, but you didn't. Mm -hmm. And then she dies. And with all this just fuels your rage even more and at this point you're almost at either infamous the final stage in the bad karma or hero the final stage in the good karma and by now the city looks completely different if you're going through this evil karma you have a more of a red tint that's going on in this city the city looks run down the city still looks like a wasteland not to mention, you look pale as hell. Mm-hmm. You have this, that little scar thing is like covering almost more of your body. It feels like it's a lot more visible now. And even just because you're evil, even just walking through the streets, you'll get people like throwing rocks at you. When I first played through this and there were no enemies around and I was being hit, I was so confused at where... I was being like attacked from. I'm like I'm looking around because in this final district you face the first sun's goons. So those enemies you're fighting in this historic district are the first sons. And I'm like looking around for any type of enemy because I'm like, what the hell am I getting hit by? It's the <laughs> civilians throwing rocks at you. Mm-hmm. If you went the evil karma way, it affected the city in a way that the city light changed, like it's all this gloomy red looking district now and the people will actually throw rocks at you and insult you just on the street but the benefit of being a bad guy is you can just blast them so anyway so anyway i started blasting if someone (laughs) just is being a dick to you just like all right throw a grenade just watch Mm -hmm. everyone explode and die right and then there is actually a moment towards the end of the game where they do another like mind control plague that causes people to throw rocks at you if you're a good guy but this is more difficult because you can't blast them or else you're infamous like you you'll go down in karma so it's just it doesn't last very long though it's towards the very end of the game so this wasn't too prominent but eventually we have to go save zeke because he's getting used as bait by Kessler so now we have to save Zeke because he got himself into another trap the race sphere is gone we have to find Kessler with the race sphere and the game's basically coming to a conclusion we eventually do save Zeke and we locate where the race sphere is um, John I believe is able to pinpoint it so we're able to now go to his exact location and finish this thing. So we show up to this dock, and the ray sphere is sitting in its container that's a protective shell. And as you're standing there, John's like, let's do this, let's destroy the ray sphere. And Cole has his final hurrah, his last moment of, hmm, if I destroy this ray sphere, it'll be gone, and the city is going to be saved. Or, I can activate it, and if I activate it, I can become twice as powerful as I am now. And I can really control this city. So he 
you you then have this choice of what you want to do this is your final moment of choosing whether you're going to be a hero or a villain and one thing about that i've tried i saved the game at this point <laughs> just to see if mm-hmm. what would happen depending on which way you go and the whole i said choosing your decision on one way or another like don't go halfway and try to change it well at the end of this it doesn't matter what karma you did this is the ultimate decision i don't want to say all your stuff is for naught because like i said earlier the ending is the same you defeat kessler whether you chose good or bad but how you get there and how the city looks and how everything how you progress all the different story the different choices you make are different but at this final moment if you choose to destroy the sphere even if you're infamous you would become a hero if you decide to if you're a hero and decide to take the power you'll straight go to infamous it will automatically change you to the worst karma or the best karma whatever decision you make because I've saved, I've saved it at hero when I was a hero at this point. Did it. And then I was like, huh, if I'm a hero and I get the power, does that, like, what would happen? And it just makes you completely infamous. Mm-hmm. So not saying that your choices are completely useless at this point because all your power-ups and stuff change depending on where you went. And the story, the dialogue, everything, the aspect changes. But the ending, this is where if you don't want to go through the whole beginning and do the end choices, I would save here, do the good ending, restart it, choose the bad ending, and you can at least see the endings without going through the whole thing, mm-hmm. which I think maybe why they did it, or maybe they just think this is the ultimate dilemma. Do you, do you crave the power to control the city, or do you want to save this city i guess that's the ultimate decision they kind of leave you up with but either way if you just want to look at the different endings this is the spot to save it to check out the different endings Mm -hmm. and you only have one more fight after the scene so switching right here won't really do a whole lot of good for you anyway so it's a good way to kind of just see the endings like you were saying because your powers you're gonna have to fight with one last fight with different powers than you're used to so kind of changes the game in that aspect so with this if you choose the good ending you decide to destroy the sphere so you just amp it with as much electricity as you can and it starts to implode and during this implosion john actually gets sucked into the sphere and the sphere vanishes along with the dock you're on you manage to get away but the sphere's gone, along with John, just reduced to dust. So now you literally have no one. Zeke you can't trust anymore. Trish is dead. John's dead. And I don't even know what Moya's doing. You kind of said screw her and <laughs> hung up the phone on her. Yeah, so, she's not She's not really in this anymore. Yeah. And even if you chose to take the power, the evil karma option... It will, as you like absorb the power, it does still cause a chain reaction, which causes the implosion and John to get swept away. But you still gain all this power, so you mm-hmm. don't really care. You're like, well, John and the race sphere are gone, but it did its job. So yeah. now you have all the power, and it's almost beneficial for you now because now no one else can use the race sphere, and now you're this all powerful person. And now all that's left is the final battle with Kessler right and it's this final battle where you're at ground zero where it all took place and kessler's there and you just it's an all-out war you're fighting he's using his conduit powers of teleportation and attacking you and you're attacking him and once you finally go through this battle you manage to take him down and he's in his last moments breath basically and he uses his ability on you and in this exact moment he gives you his memories and you realize who kessler actually is 
and you find out Kessler is a future version of yourself, but he was too weak to stop the world's destruction. His world was coming to an end. He had his conduit abilities, but when this powerful creature arose, he took his family, which is Trish and Zeke and his kids, and they left. They ran away from this being because they didn't want to put their family... He didn't want to put his family in danger. But he didn't realize it, but he could have defeated this creature if he just fought it right then and there. But instead he ran. This creature got stronger, and in the end, his family died for, because of this. So his thought was he's going to use his power to make a one-way trip to the past to change the events of the future. So he decided to produce the Ray Sphere and set your your current life in action of taking away everything that you care about so you become this soldier and you have nothing holding you back to fight this creature in order to save the world and to prevent the sadness of others from the loss of family. So he's he created you into this warrior so that you could do the thing that he couldn't. And it was, this threw me off. I was just like, whoa. Like, this person that I hated this whole time was actually myself. I thought it was kind of a neat ending. It was definitely a little unexpected. If you look back on it, there is some foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. Especially when he uses some of his abilities and it seems vaguely similar to yours. And the whole reason why Alden was upset that the leader of the Dustman, Alden, was actually the leader of the First Sons. But when Kessler or yourself went back in time, he decided to accelerate the race for your project because he knew already about it and the effects. So he took over the First Sons, which led to Alden and his crew going on. But as you said earlier, he knew everything that had to happen. He knew, obviously, he... He knows you. You're yourself. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to make sure you had no emotional attachment. He went that far as to killing the person he loved, you loved, in order to, so you wouldn't have this emotional attachment in order to stop the beast, is what they referred to. And whether you chose good or bad, kind of the ending is you get a little overlook of the city. If you chose the good, the sky's all bright. You're like... I don't care what happened. Kessler made me who I was. He wanted me to be ruthless, but he's wrong. I'm going to show him that this is my city. I'm going to protect this city from the beast. And he has this like heroic sense of justice now. Now, if he did the evil karma, he basically is very similar, except Empire City looks like a wasteland now. The sky's all red, and he goes... Kessler made me into this ruthless machine, and he was right. Why should I give a damn? All I wanted before was to leave this city, but why should I? I had the power. This is my city. No one's going to take it from me. And that's how it ends. And most of it, the good and bad ending, like I said, how it's the same but differs slightly. It also impacts your decisions on the second game as well. Yeah, yeah, and this really leads into the second game. It sets it all up and basically gives you that cliffhanger of this beast and what you have to fight in the future. So it really sets up the second game, which we might talk about in the future. With that being said, I think that basically sums up Infamous, the first game. And I think let's end it with some facts so Cole McGrath he actually had a voice actor change from the first game to the second game the first game was voiced by Jason Cottle and in Infamous 2 he was actually voiced by Eric Ladin Infamous is the fastest demo at the time to reach the 1 million milestone on PlayStation Network which, which that's a, I think a pretty big. good feat. Yeah, especially just for a demo, like that's impressive, very impressive. 
According to a recent NPD report, Infamous was the fifth best-selling software title for the month of May. After being on the shelves for only six days, the title was launched on May 26th. So six days after May 26th, it was already the fifth best-selling software for the month. And it only had four days left of the month. And don't forget, this is back in 2009. There were only five days left of May. And it already it surpassed it. Like, that's insane. And uh, I think that's all of the facts I have for us today. And I would like to leave you guys along with you if you want to chime in as well. Because I'll, I'll give my little answer to you. We talked about this whole morality throughout this whole episode and how as playing a video game, it's a lot easy to choose which side you want. So my question is, if you were Cole McGrath in Empire City, which decision do you think you would have gone? Hmm. That's a good question. I like that. I probably would go the normal route, like the, the peaceful route the good route just because i'm actually not a evil person i just like to choose the evil things in video games it's easy to kill someone in a video game i don't think it would be as easy in real life god i hope not but yeah, yeah. i would definitely choose the the good route i would for sure be the good route i don't know if the one thing i would have hated during it is the whole moira situation like mm-hmm. i couldn't wrap my head around i would i think i would have taken very similar actions as cole did if i found out this person was lying to me i i feel like i would have had doubts at the very beginning mm-hmm. kind of like zeke did but at the same time it's like i just want to get out of here and if i just had this power and especially at first when everyone thinks of me as a terrorist i probably wouldn't be going showing off all my powers but i think i would have taken a very similar route as cole especially if my girlfriend at the time was a medic a doctor and all this stuff would happen i feel like i would have been a very similar stroll down Mm -hmm. he did in this hero path yeah i would agree yeah and with that being said we would like to hear your guys's responses to the question and kind of see how it would differ from everybody else so, with that being said, you can submit your question or your answers to us at weavespawn at gmail.com. And if you have any questions, concerns, or recommendations for future episodes, please let us know and email us at once again weebspawn at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter, both under Weavespawn. And if you have any other thoughts or concerns, as you said earlier, email us at weespawn at gmail.com or you can comment at our Instagram or tweet us at Twitter or leave a five-star review and we will look at all your comments and suggestions. But until next time, I'm Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we'll see you next time when we weeb spawn.